Um, this is a great show we've got ahead of us. Give you a little bit of context. It's Penny and Thomas here on our sofa. You might be watching us live on LinkedIn or you might be watching us live on Facebook. You might be watching this back on YouTube or on across the 12 channels of um, the podcasting shows. Including Spotify. Yeah, you've got a, he's got a particular thing about Spotify. He likes that. I think that's the easy one because you can flick from listening to music to listening to inspiring people. Now, these shows go out every week and we interview um, really inspiring people that we have got to know very deeply. And that aspect of this is very important. Um, some of you will know Thomas and I created Academy back, um, back in 1998 um, and it ran for 14 years we got to know a lot of amazing business owners and the people we particularly uh, found shone really brightly were people who had honed an expertise and had incredible passion around that. So now we run um, a beautiful community called BIP 100 and BIP 100 stands for Business is Personal 100. And it's a philosophy that we believe very strongly in because business is personal. So somebody once said to me, um, Penny, it's not personal, it's just business. And that was a real guttural impact on me because I thought, well, really business is very personal. We put so much of our life into it. And actually today, we're going to be really talking a lot about that because our theme today with our wonderful BIP expert is Jane Piper, who is author of a fabulous book, which I'm holding up, called Focus in the Age of Distraction. Beautiful title. Beautiful, beautiful book. Um, Amazing. And actually what I love about it is the way you have really focused on the intention of the book, which is quite important when you buy a book, you want it to help you with that subject. And 35 tips to focus, um, focus more and work less. So this is our conversation today. But the title of this show is actually Pay Attention to Your Attention. Pay attention to your attention. Yeah. So, Thomas, what did Ronald Repera say to you? This is one of our members from oh, yes. years ago. Oh, yes. December 2004 yep. in the Netherlands. He said, by 2020, attention is the product. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. He said that 16, oh, yes, 17 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Amazing attention guy. is the product. So, Ronald, we if will you're be trading, trading in attention from 2020. Yeah, so that's really interesting because isn't it hard? Isn't it hard to get attention? And I never take yeah. for granted anybody that's listening to the show and to three of you who have joined us today. And to hold that attention. To, to hold that attention. But also, isn't it hard to give your attention? Yeah. 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 It is. And that is the thing. And when somebody is giving your attention or your work has your attention, it is mind-blowing so jane before we get on to that subject please can you introduce your really fantastic experts that you've yes. all invited to join our show of course delighted and i'm delighted to having joined you um penny and thomas so thank you for the invitation and i've invited two guests so what i see is sort of covering both ends of the spectrum on one side as you say we have to fight to maintain our attention and so um bob has joined us, Bob Barker, and he's an expert. He's a digital on digital professionalism and dealing with combating digital exhaustion. And there, that's the distraction, what steals our attention. Then I've invited Renata uh, Hustler, who is joining us. She's a career and executive coach. 
an HR consultant who comes from the background of positive leadership and positive psychology. And it's about what attracts our attention and how if we can find what attracts our attention, then we don't have to manage, you know, it's not so difficult to manage our attention if we're doing what we love. So Bob's dealing with what steals our attention and Renata about how we can find what we love, attracts our attention, and somewhere I'm sort of sitting between the two of them. Yeah, fantastic. Now, Jane, you've invested probably, I could almost say decades into this subject, (laughs) there I say it, Um, and you're a behavioural psychologist, and you, um, you really you're very focused on this this hybrid and virtual teams obviously in the mental well-being of of Mm. people and you work in organizations to help them to really achieve a a lot more do you want to just give us an idea of what that means to everybody listening here yeah I like to say I help smart people work smarter right which covers a wide spectrum because I deal with mostly knowledge workers or in the industries where, you know, the brain power is the key and it's how we can make that brain power actually applied and help people to A, feel better. So there's their well-being side, which I think is a foundation. You know, nobody can work well unless they've got a foundation of well-being. But then how can we really make them perform and then really perform at their peak, which comes into the team building and managing the culture around the organisation and managing leadership. So it covers a lot of things from a solid foundation of, of well-being of our individuals to then teamwork and then up to leadership. And it's all about how we can get the best out of those people's brain power. Because if people aren't using their brains in these companies where they're knowledge intensive industries, like I work in the pharmaceutical sector, there's a lot of my consulting work. Um, I've worked in engineering and management consulting and some of my other clients. If, they, if the, the scientists are not putting their brain power onto the right thing, then they're not discovering the cures for cancer. If the engineers have not got their brains switched on the right way, we're not talking about, you know, people are going to make mistakes and then we'll find bridges fall down or whatever the case may be. So it's those sorts of things where brain power is really important. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Absolutely. So and I can ask a question, yeah, though. yeah, yeah. See how he asks my permission if he can ask a question. Oh. <laughs> So, Jane, good, good examples with the engineer and the bridge, yeah. uh, the bridge falling down. So what, why is it so important to manage our attention today? Then? Oh, I mean, I think we all know today how much our attention is under attack. I mean, you mentioned the person previously. Um, I think previously technology... And, and Bob will be able to talk to that. But my feeling is it's so much easier to get distracted by the technology these days. I mean, you have these devices that ping and ding at you um, and take your attention. And something I read was that basically, you know, a, an average knowledge worker interrupts themselves every six minutes to answer an email here or to answer a quick ping there. And so how can you concentrate on these sort of deep, problems that you want to solve if every six minutes your attention switches from one thing to another and then um, it takes 23 minutes to regain that attention so our attention is constantly under attack these days that you didn't get in the days where you know somebody stuck a pile of inter-office memos on your in-tray you decided then when you'd read it the pace of 
the work has obviously got a lot faster. I mean, we used to wait for an inter-office memo to go around and decisions took two weeks. I mean, and I'm not sorry, it doesn't take two weeks for decisions to be not to be made. And I wouldn't say let's go back to those days, but it did mean you chose when you you picked up what was sitting in those, I don't know whether you had them, but we had brown envelopes, you know, and opened them oh, up yeah. and got the inter-office memos out. Yeah, then you signed them and sent them off to someone else. <laughs> I remember those days. If you get pinged every six minutes by a, a notification or a message, and it takes you 23 minutes to get your attention back to focus again on, on whatever it is, <laughs> mm. two pings an hour is an hour lost. Exactly. So isn't the easy thing just to turn the computers off, turn the phones off and focus on what you're doing? It's a lot of what I teach is is basically to tell people to block aside two hours of time in a couple of blocks through the week so that they can have those focus times to do really intensive work. And unfortunately, you tell people that and they go, that's so basic. Why is she telling me this? But you actually ask how many people actually do it. I don't think anyone does that anymore, do they? No one actually does that, do they? What I'm seeing is a few companies are starting to have focus Fridays or communication-free Wednesday mornings, whatever it may be, to try and deal with this because they're now starting to see it as a problem. And I don't know, Bob, whether you've seen anything like this happening in companies. But I have to say, when I've been talking about this now for five years or so, to start with, people were like, you really expect me to do this? Oh, yeah, it's a great idea, but, you know, it won't work in my workplace because unless everybody's doing it, like saying, okay, we have focus Fridays or we have communication-free Wednesdays, everybody just feels and this, I have to respond instantly, which I think is taking this serve your customer too far, you know, this instant response that we expect and we deem as customer service is taking it too far. So we, so we have to create... I mean, obviously, you and Renata, you go into organisations and you're helping them to create the right cultures, which um, but we all personally have to take responsibility for ourselves as well, don't we? And create our own boundaries and behavioural change and 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 things like that. So, Bob, coming on to you. So I've got your white paper in front of me, which I can I can show here to anybody who's watching this. Um, Really interesting. And in fact, there's a beautiful picture on it. So I describe it. The the first picture at the top is a man with his head in his hands down on the desk looking exhausted and then lovely picture afterwards where he's in a much nicer environment. He's laughing and he's in control. And I suppose that's the what we want to achieve. So your white paper, how to solve the digital exhaustion brought on by digital transformation and hybrid working um, is absolutely fascinating. And I know, you know, I'm not going to talk ages with anybody here, but Bob, you have been in the tech industry in, since your 20s and i would say ages. i would say that is oh. more than 30 years yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> you've seen you've seen the digital age be born in fact you did a you did a manifesto when you were working with oracle didn't you with peter yeah. madison um on what was it called again I think that was the e-business manifesto. The yeah. business man. And then you and I actually authored one together called Digital Business Britain. So listen, I don't think anybody can doubt your devotion to technology and then into the digital age. And now, you know, you, as a professional, you've really decided you're going to focus on this subject of how exhausted digital is making people. 
Um, do you want to just share a little bit more about that? Because I suppose that's, you know. Yeah, I suppose that the, the big aha recently was that, you know, pe- pe- because because of COVID and everyone working from home more, um, you know, people are spending even more time on the computer. And so people were beginning to find that they they were just exhausted. And and, and as, as, as James already mentioned, you know, the amount of meetings we're having has gone up, the amount of, uh, you know, messaging has gone up, the amount of, uh, you know, emails, everything's increased and, and people just got on with it because there was that kind of, you know, uh, wartime spirit. We have to we have to get on to it during COVID, but everyone's spending more time on online. And I think in the context of attention, um, you know, they're, 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 they're spending much more of their, their time online with all this stuff and, yeah. and, and not managing that that well. And the big heart really is that with, with exhaustion these days is that you can measure people's digital exhaust. So when you, when you, you know, depending on the organization, particularly if you've got something like Microsoft Teams, um, the organization can begin to see how much time people are spending, uh, you know, in meetings, out of hours, so on and so forth. And, and if you take your, your mobile phone, um, you know, you can see how much time you're spending um, on, on, on your apps and on your phone. And I think, you know, the interruption thing that Jane mentioned earlier, you know, that how many times you're picking up your phone? Well, if it's, if it's kind of like in the hundreds, literally, then you, you've got a bit of a problem there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to, what, one of the areas of, of, uh, of exhaustion is constantly being interrupted, which is this, this whole attention thing. So, so yeah, yeah and, 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 you know, obvious ones are working overload and isolation and, you know, physical stuff as well. There's, there's, there's a lot of areas to look at, but in the context of what we're looking at today, it's, it's this whole thing of, uh, of the technology um interrupting us and, and and making us much more making us slower really and yeah and that's time. really interesting so in fact i remember i was doing a talk for a, a virtual talk during covid for a an american company big advertising agency and they wanted me to talk about um just my journey of what, why i realized that self-care and well-being was important and when I was talking to the head of HR for that large company, I said, well, what are you doing about that well-being side of helping people now in this age? And she said, well, we allow, sorry, anybody who's American, I've got to put on an American accent. We allow them to turn their green slack light off for half an hour a day. Right. Yeah. I know. Horrifying. And I, oh. anybody that's listening wondering what that is, slack is a tool that enables you to manage a team of people and you're either on or you're off and you can see lots of different conversations going on and chats and projects that you're involved in. And um, it's scary. It's scary. It's, it's half an hour a day. Wow. Half an hour a day. They had that. They weren't. So that basically meant that they were glued to their seat in front of their computer. And then I also said, and I want to come on to this with you, Renata, because I know that I won't talk about what you do because this is about culture. Um, I said, are you doing anything to help them with their well-being? She said, we've bought a corporate license to the app Calm for them all. And I said, well, that's really interesting. So uh, how, how do they know how to use that? And they said, well, we've just given them instructions on how to download the app. So no actual understanding of, you know, how doing this. So it's very interesting in terms of the journey companies are on. So coming to you, Renata, let me just remind everybody here. So Renata Hassler, um, spelt Renat with an E on the end, if anybody's looking you up on LinkedIn, Hassler, H-A-S-L-E-R. You're a career and executive coach. 
So you are helping, you know, what we would all hope were the people who could be the decision makers on whether or not they run a culture like that. Do you want to just share a little bit about your world and how you're helping them to navigate this? I think it all starts with the individuals. I'm often working directly with the individuals. And what I do with them is I start with analyzing their character strengths, their personality traits, also what their expertise and passion is, um, because this is really the foundation of, of everything. And then I go on with checking what are their values, which is then the basis of just setting goals and having a broader vision. Because I think that's really crucial. What are the dreams of these people? What are the, the, the things they are striving for? And that also defines then where to prioritize their task, what they are doing. And of right. course, that then needs to, to be in line with an organization, if they are within an organization, or if they want to reorient themselves towards what goals they want to strive to. So I think it's important to, to understand themselves better and yeah. also to have this vision to fulfill their passion and their dreams in the future. And Renata, when, when, the, when, the, when they're working and they're flat out, what, what kind of things are distracting them? What kind of things are disturbing them or taking them away from their goals and their values and their tasks? Um, yeah, I think you're just sometimes a vicious third. There's a lot of tasks going on, as we have discussed before. And often what makes them dissatisfied is if they spend a lot of time doing things which they do not really like or against their values, against their passion. And that's where the dissatisfaction comes from. But often you can evaluate by themselves what this is really, which makes me dissatisfied. So you have to start somewhere and to analyze all these things to figuring out where do you spend most of your time? Is it really fulfilling your set goals, your vision, or are there many tasks which you actually don't like or against what you really have within you, you want to have fulfilled? So if these are, so if you're, um, if these, if you, if you're in your career, um, executive career coaching piece, um, but they're working for an organization, right? So I think it's wonderful, wonderful. I mean, when you're a business owner, you can line all your values and lead the life you want and work out how you're going to build that passion through as, as we all have, you know, we've all decided to work for ourselves and, and make our impact. But when you're an executive working for a company and you've got all this downward pressure coming on you, um, how, how, how do they navigate that to, get, to give attention uh, to what they want to do? Is it you helping them to learn how to delegate better or to be more assertive with their bosses? Or what, what is it that helps them? Probably different sort of things. I think one important thing is also really to truly listen to the employees also people underneath and figuring out where they see the issues as well, to be really close to them as well. I think that's really an important piece for me. And also when you're working with visions, with values, to also translate it, what does it mean for you, for the individual departments, for the individual, and to involve them in such a cultural process as well. Not that somewhere written on any sort of PowerPoint slides, but Everybody understands what the company means by it. What does it mean for me as an individual? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then figuring out, you know, when people have their roles, not that they only have a job description, figuring out where you can best um, tailor-made this role to your personality, you know. So that means actually to move from a job to a career to a calling at the end. And yeah, actually job career calling. Job career calling. <laughs> yes. So uh, there's a couple of things that I've picked up in these conversations so far that I really like to dig into. One is this well-being aspect, which I know, Jane, is an important thing for you, isn't it? When we talk about the individual. So I want to come back to that. But also, um, if I come to Bob first, um, digital skills. Well, all of us know this. Anybody listening knows this. One of the things that threw people into chaos Less so, I think, the business owner, I have to say, because we have to be technically capable. Um, We don't delegate to many people, so we have to have a variety of digital skills. But for the executives, they they must have got thrown into mayhem when suddenly it's remote working. What is Zoom? Some of them won't know Zoom, all these things. So I know digital skills is really important to you, Bob. What are some of the sort of uh, chasms that people are having to cross to, to ensure that they're digitally skilled enough to manage um you know because if you can get things done faster if you, you can yeah, it's, it's, yeah. get distracted can't you as well that is a really good question i think it's just i think the 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 challenge i call it a digital people everyone faces a digital dilemma in that they know this stuff's important we're spending all of our working day online and, and with, with devices and all the rest of it but we never find the time to do anything about it and that's because of lots of reasons like we're, we're frustrated by technology because of you know, part or we label ourselves as a bit of a digital dinosaur or something like that. There's there's lots of different reasons why we, you know, all the actually the software is bad, or we get told to what you know we've got to be online the whole time. There's there's lots of different reasons I think that people psychologically aren't are you know aren't in a good place for that. And then or as Julian would say, Bob, um, if you don't, or as Julian would say, if you don't understand, you must be thick. Yeah, exactly. And then so people don't want to be. So people don't want to be embarrassed. People don't, don't want to be exposed. And so they never get around to asking. And I think the key, the key to this whole thing is, is asking people what they do and how they operate. So what we do is, is try and get people to, to exactly like we're here, is share what they do in various areas of digital professional or exhaustion. So how do you operate? Well, you're operating in a company. So how are you managing your diary or how are you managing your, um, you know, your email or how are you managing your phone use or how, you know, it, it's just, and if you do it in, in groups within a company and people can talk to each other, that they, they already trust those people. Um, those, they can hear the wisdom of how those people operate. And that is a very good way of picking up skills um, and, and finding those things that work and, and don't work. I suppose it's like, you know, we all know we have our, sorry, you can, sorry. We all know we have our primary skill and most people are employed, you know, brilliant at marketing, brilliant at HR, you know, brilliant at sales or whatever. We have our primary skill when we run our own business, we know what we're an expert in, but we have these mountain of secondary skills that we have to acquire. And I suppose it's being in a culture, is it Jane, where um, it's okay to have some vulnerability and to say, I need help. Is that, is, is yeah, that and, and it's not every culture that people feel that they can say that and is, and um, talk about that. And so what Bob's talking about is creating that safe space so people can have those conversations. And, you know, certainly if, um, you know, you're talking about, 
any of these things. So, so Renata was talking about talking about her values. I mean, then you need to create an even perhaps safer space than talking about how you don't have this um, digital, you're not really the very digital savvy. And this comes into when, when are you dealing with getting the best out of people's brain and where they pay, uh, uh, apply their attention. It's very hard to apply your attention well if you're in a state of fear because fear tends to narrow down your thinking. So basically goes right all the way back to sort of the caveman days where when you're in a state of fear, your, your focus is very, very narrow and that's to try and find a way to escape this danger. And so when they say, you know, a horse has got the blinkers on, truly have, you have you're not seeing things. So if you want your people to be creative, trying new things, trying new technology, talking about their values, you have to create a space where the fear is gone. And so these, um, often we have these cultures where managers, you know, I remember I worked with this lady, which I won't mention her name, and she um, was the CFO and I was the CHRO. And, and she seriously believed that, you know, once a week you had to go down and yell at the accounts um, payable and accounts receivable people, you sort of accountants and bookkeepers and stuff. Once a week, you had to yell at them to get their stuff done by the end of the week. Otherwise, they would work slowly. So, you know, and she said, and then when I was transferred to Russia, you had to do that every day. And she seriously thought the best way to motivate people was to give them a once a week or once a day bollocking. Um, yeah. And, and it's so 80s. It's such an 80s style of so power driven. <laughs> And, 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 you know, you still hear a lot of that rhetoric in our company. You know, they want a plan and they want deadlines and they want people and they push, push, push. And it's all about fear, what the boss will say. And, you know, if I don't, if you don't do this, we'll escalate it. And what's this, you know. And if people live in that fear, then they're not going to feel safe saying that they don't know something, whether it's about how to manage their digital devices or, in Renata's case, talking about their values and talking about how they can bring their best out of their brains and their attitudes and their knowledge and skills in the workplace. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. I think we all remember that fear. Thomas worked for Alan. <laughs> He's, um, I can't imagine anybody bollocking Thomas. No, exactly. Um, you did... You did something I'd love you to do it for Thomas and actually be quite amusing to do this you know I love it um, I asked you to do it when, when I interview another show um, about multitasking because yeah. there is this myth yeah. that we can all multitask so yeah. uh, Thomas I'm setting you up for this but it's will it's really important will you do this with but Thomas you, you know me? you know I can't multitask. no we're none of us no. this is, is it is a show so, but, but so often when we're talking about managing our attention, how we pay attention, we think we can quickly flip between all these different things and multitask and still be good. So here's this little exercise. And actually, I'll have to ask um, perhaps Bob if you've got a little bit of timer handy because um, my phone's over on the other side of the room. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, so your time. Because Thomas, what I want you to do is I want you to count from one to ten out loud as fast as you can when Bob says go. Okay, let me just let's get sorry, I'll just get the timer. You're looking at his way, I think so. It's just go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Right, ready, steady, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Is that fast? Three, three. Do you want me to tell you the time? Yeah, do as fast as you can. 
Thomas, really give it some power. Oh, reset, go. reset, yeah, right, ready? Reset. You ready, Tom? Ready, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, now go from the letter A, B, C, D, up to J. Go. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. This is very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Got and you that. got those times there, Bob? How, yeah. how long were they? How long did it take to do, to do Four that? Four seconds for the numbers and yeah. 6.6 .6 seconds for the, the letters. Okay. Now then, what I want you to do, Thomas, is to go 1A, 2B, 3C like this. And when Bob says go. Ready? Are you ready, Tom? Have you got your mind focused? Ready? Steady. Go. 1A, 2B, 3C, 4D, 5E, 6F, 7 You haven't got enough time on the podcast right. to get him through this. Eight. Yeah, we've given up now. I think we've proved it. Yeah. We're at 30 seconds. Okay, we've proved the point. It's really hard to multitask. And so often, ourselves personally, but organisations, we value this busy person doing six things at once. You know, another little energizer bunny is held up there on a pedestal as being the way we should work and live. And, but you can see every time we do something like this, so it's those focus times, finding that time to sit down and think about something and really burn the brain power in one direction on one topic, whether it's solving a huge problem in your workplace. Brilliant. Um, you know, it's yeah. brilliant. It's so funny. I've actually got tears going down. <laughs> so, Jane, Jane, a question for you. What's well, a question for all of you, really? To run, to run our business, and we, we only run a small business together, as you know, uh, we have to subscribe to 48 different apps that we, <laughs> that we, that we pay for. And ours is only a small business. Yeah, yes. I think it's and, about £2,500 a month on subscriptions. So £2,500 a month on subscriptions for, for these apps. Penny uses half of them. I use half of them. And some of them are easy to use and you like using them. Some of them are a pain in the ass, and you don't like using them and they slow you down. Yeah. How do you, it's, it's nice to be on the apps you like because you can be productive because you know how to use them. And it's awful to be on the apps you don't like because they slow you down and they're irritating and frustrating. And as Bob said, some of the software is good and some, yeah. how do you, when, when you're in an organization, you're dealing with yeah. so many of these apps. How do you, how do you get, prioritise or how do you get good with your mm. time and attention when yeah. some are good and some are hard and that's where I think there's two things sometimes you know we have the choice of what apps we use you know do you want to use zero for your account or do you want to use QuickBooks or whatever and we can choose what suits our way of going in companies sometimes you don't have that choice and what are you often finding companies they have Bigger companies have worse systems because they have to, you know, they're all in, not so much in-house, but, you know, the Microsoft or Oracle have developed them. So you get these systems which are really slow and really cumbersome in organisations and they don't have the flexibility to, to jump to something new that you see that startups or smaller businesses have. And what I also think about jumping between them is this is, you said a lot in communication that, 
should you be sending a Slack message? So you've got something important to tell somebody further up the chain. Take this example. Do I send him or her a Slack message? Oh, maybe that's not quite right. Do I send him or her an email? Well, then I better compose it right. Do I send them a chat? Do you know, how do you communicate? And this is where within teams you need to build that understanding and even formally sit down and say, okay, for quick messages under, you know, one sentence, let's use Slack or a chat. For longer things, use email. If it's anything over two paragraphs, then please pick up the phone and please have a meeting and get into these ways of working which seem productive because people know which app to use for what. I think, yeah. I, think it, I think it's learning, as I said earlier, it's learning from each other and having that mechanism to do that so that you, you're learning from the people that use the app. You know, if everyone dare I say Yammer, you know, it's kind of like you always get people go, oh, you know, we don't use that all. Do, do you know what I mean? There are certain apps that if you find out that, oh, everyone doesn't use that, so that's okay. I mean, not, not that that's the answer from the IT perspective, but but there's that. And I, I had a, my, my brother-in-law ran Sussex Police as Chief Gunsport, and I said, and he was running a lot of the digital policing initiatives for the country. And so he had, you know, IT, 5,000 police, blah, blah. And I said, how on earth do you do you find out what, how do you keep up with all these applications and things like that? He said, oh, that's easy. I play one appmanship and I just ask people in other police forces or, you know, senior people. I just, I just get them to show me on your phone these apps that you say are so brilliant and show me what, what they do and how they work. And, and I'll show you some of mine. And, and he said that, that which anyone can do in a pub. But if you, if you ask people that, then you can, you know, you can learn a lot about what yeah. they're doing. That, and, that and peer-to-peer mentoring, really, isn't it? It's peer-to-peer yeah. mentoring and it's supporting each other. Yeah. So, Jane, coming back to, because I think these are really important sort of uh, subtopics within this whole theme of pay attention to your attention, because we're talking about what can distract us and what can stress us. And what, you know, all of these things are really important. So if we look, here we are, we're all individuals, as I said on we're all life individuals. Of, life of Brian Thomas always does the quote. We're all individuals. Oh, no. I'm not. Um, <laughs> I'll make somebody know. I was going to say, you're uh, Monty Python. That's it. <laughs> going back a generation. On my first date, Thomas quoted almost the entire film to me. It was very exciting. Um, so we now have, um, that was Life of Brian film. We now have to take some personal responsibility, whether we, you know, some people are listening here, they are working individually um, for themselves. They're, they're a sole trader or they've got their own business. And some people will be saying, well, I'm actually working remotely for a company and I'm waiting for them to train me on something. Right. And my belief is we all have to take personal responsibility to future proof ourselves. We have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, you know. We, we, we just have to see ourselves as individuals in this world and no job is safe. You know, even even when you're you know, when I think of how much we've had to innovate because of COVID mm-hmm. go online. So how much do you feel when, you know, we've now got this hybrid world and we all need to give attention to our attention? How much do you think, you know, our own personal responsibility for that is is going to help us to future proof ourselves, Jane? It's a very good question. I think um, if you want to keep up, definitely taking personal responsibility for your development, um, whether that be on digital technology or developing a 
deeper understanding of your values and what motivates you. This is the work that Renata has been talking about as well. People doing that. But I also believe that there is a strong responsibility in employers that sometimes we let them away with it. When we're talking about structural changes in industries, we would have a lot less social problems if there was an investment that maybe partly employer government funded where we retrained and reskilled people. We would have less questions and less fear where people are losing jobs or ending up in jobs where they're clearly not utilising their best potential, you know, bringing migrants. Yeah. 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 That's an absolutely brilliant point. And having spent five and a half years in the skills industry um, from 2012 to 17. Um, I was shocked at how IT was being taught. It was four or five years at least behind. And so making sure that we find the right suppliers that have got that cutting edge awareness of what's going on now to skill your staff is really important. So now so can I ask yes, yeah. So are you are you saying, Jane, you've got to you've got to train yourself to manage your own attention? Oh, she froze. Oh, Jane. So I have to say, Jane's just frozen. And oh, she might be back. She is actually away on holiday at the moment. Found a little place in a hotel to be able to do this with us. So are you back, Jane? I know you might be having some internet. Uh, we'll come back to that. Oh, she's back. Oh, are she's you back? back? Are you Did back? you hear my back? question, Jane? Yes. So I think managing your attention is a skill we need in this day and age. So it's the short answer there. I'm so sorry about the freezing of the connection. Yeah, so the short answer, we need to train ourselves. So I believe it's a skill like any other skill, and it, it's not a difficult skill. It's a, on the distraction, as Bob was talking about, it's about prioritising where and what you respond to, so you avoid the distractions. How long are you spending on that? And you can see those a lot of times on your phone. But then also it's much easier to do. As re- oh, poor Jane. Uh, let me just say until Jane comes back, you know, sorry. so, so Jane, repeat that because you, you, you cut out for a minute, just, to, just about the last bit where you saying before you said doing a job you really love. You said it's much yeah. easier to, and then we lost you. It's, it's much easier to manage your attention, but you don't really feel like you have to manage it if you're doing a job you love. So that's what Renata talks about finding your yeah. value. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And so on that subject, Renata, is there a bit of a power shift going to be happening here now that there is this remote working and or hybrid working, as they're calling it now? Is there a bit where so many people are working from home now? I'm, I'm wondering if companies are going to have to really think about how they manage their labour because they've not they've not got all the perks of coming into an office, which I know some people that's what people want, but you can't hug them and hold them close to you in the same way. Um, is, is that something that people are going to be challenged with in this world? Are executives concerned by that? Yeah, I really figured out either on an individual level or also on a company level, because of all these changes, we figure out what's the best for the individual? Is this a person who really likes interactions a lot? So these people might prefer to go more to the office, uh, whereas other people who really like to concentrate on their work separately prefer being at home however I think for all of them it looks like that overall a hybrid solution is the best whereas both is manageable the individual 
differences, but also what's needed from the company side. Yeah. I mean, to, to see okay. some people together also at the workplace who have interactions. So to profit from both worlds with its advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. Okay, so Bob and Bob and Jane, really, I mean, if we're, if you've got people who like working from home, people like working at the office, and they're two different types, then you have people who are good at focusing and people who are bad at focusing and like distractions. Do we need to divide jobs into the distractions jobs <laughs> and the focus jobs? Because I would be very poor at the focus jobs and I'd be brilliant at the distraction jobs because I like distractions all the time. Have you seen that squirrel? And that's exactly how I am most of the time. But I have to do very focused things and therefore I have to turn everything off in order to focus. Mm. And it drives me mad, but I have to do it, don't I? Yeah. yeah. You've answered your own question, haven't you? You know, you have learned that you you know you've got to do that. You have to, you know, you have to turn off your notifications or put your phone somewhere else. You have to close some of your tabs. You have to turn off your email. All these things are things that you you you've you've learned to do because you know that for a certain period you've got to get you know work done. I think so. Yeah, so Wouldn't it be better to give people? People who are good at distractions, give them all those tasks. People who are good at who need to be focused, give them all those tasks. I know, but Jane would argue that most of us need to be able to achieve focus, don't we, Jane? Yeah. But you can focus on distractions. Yeah. What do you think, Jane? To Thomas's theory. Mm. Sorry, yes. The the theory is we all need to do it, but if you understand what you're good at, Thomas, you wouldn't get a job where you had to focus eight hours a day, but you do have to do a certain amount of it. We probably can't get away with doing nothing that requires any focus. But you are lying. <laughs> I think um, I, I think it's about understanding our own personal energy and what we get the energy our energy from. I noticed you know Hannah is incredible. Our daughter, she's constantly trying to work out. Her, she's twenty nine now. How to work out what's the right working pattern for her? And she's actually decided. I think it's actually brilliant to have a yin and a yang thing a yin week and a yang week so she has a week where she has all her client calls in that week and her PA can put in 22 coaching 22 hours of coaching calls in that week the following week she has no coaching calls and it's all creativity and um, you know no no communication so I think it's about individually understanding this morning and it is quite topical from what you were saying actually Thomas about understanding yourself on television there was actually somebody talking about how um, I think l- less than one in four women are diagnosed with ADHD compared to boys being diagnosed with it. So it's very easy to see a boy with ADHD because the teachers will look and he can't sit down and he's playing around all the time. Girls' form of ADHD is apparently very different and harder to recognise. <clears throat> they interviewed three women who found out they had ADHD in older life. And I was there going, hello, <laughs> I think that's me. I think that is me because it was and it was very much that I I need support from you Jane and your book was brilliant on understanding how to focus my mind because it's not anybody else causing it it's me causing a sense of there's a sense of perfectionism I want to make sure that I don't let anyone down and therefore I have to answer all these things on time and there's a there's a I have a personal challenge is that something I mean in your book and I yeah. do want to read this bit at the book, back of the book. It says, in the world of work has changed, but our ways of working haven't kept pace. We're now working even harder, longer, and at a faster pace than ever before. 
Longer hours and harder work aren't going to give us the career and life that we want. In today's workplace where you're selling your brain power and creativity, it's your focus, attention, mindset and engagement that will make the difference. Well, I suppose yeah. I'm saying my mindset is all a bit crap. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's not. But you are good when you're focused. It's just very yeah. hard to focus when you're interrupted all the time. I know, but that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Isn't it, that, that's it but there's also those things that we learn over time you know I didn't even understand when I was younger that I had a perfectionist tendency and how that drove me to get very stressed about getting things right I mean I remember a time at university we had to do an assignment that didn't as a group that didn't count towards any marks but on the group, there was one guy who did nothing. He absolutely contributed nothing. He annoyed me so much that I ended up doing his work. And that pattern would follow me through our life. His attitude was, this assignment counts for nothing. I'm not going to put on time. And mine was, we have an assignment. Even if it doesn't count for nothing, we do it and we do it well. That's integrity, isn't it? For, yeah. Um, but yeah, this, perfectionist, yeah, this perfectionist tendency you know, to, to drive, you know, and it's a bit like as we get older, we understand more about ourselves and what drives us. But, you know, some of these distractions, there's distractions we can deal with, turning off phones and things, but these are distractions that come from within us as well. Yeah. There are ways of, of working and thinking about the world, the mindset, um, and understanding those and what drives them and, and understanding, you know, how sometimes that may be driving us in the wrong direction. Amazing. I think that is actually the perfect way to end the show because we are actually <laughs> at the end of the show. And it's been a fantastic conversation. I hope anybody yeah. listened to this. And what are you going to take away from it? Well, first of all, honestly, I, 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 I would suggest that you look up Jane's book, Focus in the Age of Distraction, which is on Amazon, 35 Tips. It's not a frighteningly huge book, and it's beautifully done with graphics and charts and all sorts of things. So please do look at that. Um, please also connect with Jane Piper. Find her on LinkedIn. Um, read her content and blogs and posts and things. They're great. Also, Bob Barker, you've been listening to. Please look him up on LinkedIn. And um, Bob Barker is probably not one that I need to spell out, but I'm going to spell Renata's name, um, which is Renat, R-E-N-A-T-E, Hassler, H-A-S-L-E-R. So Jane Piper, Bob Barker, Renata Hassler, you have been brilliant on this show. Thank you so much. And to anybody listening, thank you so much for your attention. Thank you for your attention. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.